Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Vincent Catalina on the show. Vincent is an actor, writer, and filmmaker, and his film that he wrote and played a central role in is called Wild Boys, which was shot locally in the foothills and in the mountains surrounding our community, and is going to be available for streaming later this year. Additionally, Vincent is planning a number of screenings in the Central Valley so you could watch it in a theater environment if that's what you'd prefer. Vincent is continuing to work on new and exciting film projects in and around the Central Valley, and we have lots to talk about around that, around films in general, around fantasy books, around food, mullets, etc. Let's go meet Vincent and Baker will take us there. Religion, culture, art, music, show some respect to the best little city left in the U.S. Fresno's best. Fresno's best. Vincent, where do you like to eat in Fresno? Sam's is going to be my my favorite place. Sam's Italian Market, Ellie. It's over like old old side of Fresno. I guess that would be South Side, kind of. I might be wrong on that, but it's a great spot. I went there when I was a kid, so it's been there for a long time. I'm still there. Some of the best Italian food, just like quick sandwiches in Fresno, in my opinion. So that's my favorite spot. So it's like, also it's like a deli, like a deli. Kind yeah. Of- it's a deli market so there's like you walk in and there's like you can buy goods like kind of like a little storefront but then it's also a deli so you can get a sandwich and get some food pick up sausages and stuff like that okay so it's kind of like um my reference point would be something like piemontes like in tower something like that okay yeah yeah awesome um, what about Coarse Gold? So you live in Coarse Gold. Uh, yeah. I haven't gone to Coarse Gold for food ever. Uh, where should I Where should I eat if I'm going through Coarse Gold? Uh, Coarse Gold. Coarse Gold. So it's called. I think it's the Old Fig or Fig Cafe, right in downtown. I like that spot a lot. They have great brunch, breakfast. Uh, it's like you drive right when you get into downtown. It's on the left near uh, the coffee shop. Okay. What's the food scene like up there? I mean, is it just kind of like mom and pop type places? Yeah, mom and pop for Coarse Gold mainly. I think there's a Subway. Um, a new pizza place is opening up. Mainly, if we're going to eat up here, we'll, we would probably drive to Oakhurst, oh, okay. which has a lot of good spots. Okay. So since we're talking about it before we get into movies and acting how how, what's the perception of people in the foothills to us valley flat-footed people uh what what is the is there kind of because i know i know how valley people perceive people in in the foothills but how what's the reverse yeah i'd say i'd say i have a good perspective on this because i i grew up i grew up in springville which is a mountain town like coarse gold up above porterville Visalia area mm. and then in high school I moved down to Porterville down to the the flatland and then now we live up in Coarse Gold so I think it's you know you you say things and you hear things like I got to run down to town you know it's it's a whole thing right I wouldn't say in like my household and me personally I don't have much thoughts about that but there's definitely like a oh I don't, I don't want to say an eliteness. That sounds, that sounds mean, but there's like a, Oh, I live, I live. I don't want to be in this city. Like that's too much for me. Like, I don't want to be around that many people. So I'm going to live up here. That's kind of the, I guess, does that make sense? Yeah. So there's a kind of sense of separation. Yeah. Like there's a busyness to life down here. Yeah. And people are up here to, to, to live away from that. Uh, that's definitely part of why we're up here. We were living in Long Beach, Orange County, so moved here, and so that, that I can relate to that. But now I don't see. I kind of see the valley all as one whole. So yeah. let's let's just jump right into movies. I watch a lot of movies, and I I, I, I will say that TV right now is ascendant, but I mm-hmm. think the movie experience is something that TV can't replicate. And I, you know, it's I think it's almost like movies now are short stories in some ways 
uh, just yeah. given that we watch so many 10 episode seasons there's seven seasons so it's like a it's like you're watching war and peace you know it's just this huge story and narrative but i think movies create a different experience in almost like i the way i think about it is like movies are more like a like a picture in a frame whereas tv shows can be this mural with just all this kind of world that you're created whereas you just kind of get a snapshot with a movie what what were your what were your favorite movies uh, growing up what did you watch a lot yeah so i had a i had a really unique not unique relationship with movies but my mom didn't like the tv didn't like that in our house when i was very young and she also didn't want me to watch a lot of movies um because she didn't want me to be scared just things like that like if it was you know higher than pg she didn't want me to see it even when i was you know sixth seventh eighth grade age but i loved movies so i would actually sneak i'd like go into different rooms at night and sneak movies um because i had a huge passion for them and eventually as i got older i was able to articulate my love for them and she was able to you know we were able to compromise and stuff so i think what stands out in my head i remember the first time i saw something a performance and i said like whatever's happening right now i, I want to be a part of that someday i want to feel whatever this is and that was ace ventura when <laughs> nature when he was i just i was sitting in my grandparents living room on the ground in front of the tv and he was coming out of the rhinoceros and i just I wasn't even laughing because it was just like this something about what's happening right now. I love, and I couldn't even identify it back then. And I didn't really identify it until after I graduated high school, but yeah. So standouts when I was a kid, Ace Ventura, I was a big Jim Carrey fan. So Ace Ventura, the cable guy, Bruce almighty. Uh, I also, I, I snuck Braveheart. That was one of the ones I snuck when I was young and I loved it. So I would watch that in like 30 minute increments in the middle of the night <laughs> and I, just, I would just restart i had the two vhs box and so i just you know rewind at the end of it and start it over again oh uh, what is another one that stands out oh man there, i yeah big movie fan so that's that's a hard question but i think i think i think ace Ventura is a big one uh, brave hearts a big one and then i also loved um i remember the first time i saw edward scissorhands and that was big for me because it was like the first time I saw something so stylistic. Mm. It was kind of like my intro to like, oh, there's more than just Ace Ventura and Braveheart. Like there's all these other type artistic styles in cinema. And that one stuck with me too. And then of course I watched all Tim Burton and fell in love. So yeah, but anyways, that was a lot of It sounds like big big kind of set pieces but also eccentric leads and strange characters so it feels like you've latched on to in that specific area now at in high school did they have a theater program or or how did you get interested in in the uh, performance side yeah so I started getting on stage in high school with my cousin we were doing like little sketch performances and you know I would do stuff for the school and at the church we were going to and that was just a lot of fun and I, I felt I felt good about it, but I hadn't really had any training or done anything until the end of high school. I finally did join the drama program because I had people encouraging me in my life saying, hey, you know, you seem to really like this. Like, why don't you try this? You know, and so I was like, I just had never occurred to me. And so I was like the last I don't remember. It's high school. It hasn't been that long, but it's been long enough where I don't know if it was a quarter or a semester. But the last part of the year, my senior year, I joined the drama department and I did a play um, and I was the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. And that kind of really like actually learning lines, having a director who knew the craft and was able to like help, you know, kind of guide me along, you know, from my natural instincts to like actual like, well, this is how you put it into practice type thinking really like awoke something in me. And so I did. I kind of changed my whole trajectory of where I was going and said, well, what are my options here? And that's when I decided to go to college for theater and major in theater. Yeah. Mm. So if you could go back and tell kind of your early self, something in those stages in high school, something that you now realize doing this professionally would have been useful to know early on, what would you tell yourself? 
Mm. Uh, embrace yourself, embrace your uniqueness, embrace your instincts. And I had, you know, I didn't struggle socially in high school, but I definitely didn't want to, I was definitely a class clown. I, you know, I loved, I loved making people laugh, but I never felt like I could do more than that in terms of like using that as an actual tool to help me stand out or get ahead or be a leader. Cause usually it was, I was made aware that that type of personality was bad, not bad, but just a distraction. And then also it was just like, I, I got caught up in not having fun in high school. Cause like I was in sports and I was super serious and you got to be serious. And I, I look back and I could, if I could tell myself, like I look back and thinking how nervous I was because I loved basketball. I was big into the PA uh, basketball program in Porterville. If I could tell myself, Hey, like just have fun on the court and be yourself instead of like taking it so seriously and having this like military like mentality about it. I think I would have thrived a lot more in all areas of high school. Do you feel like the drama programs are encouraging people to you know embrace eccentricities or do you think it's producing a lot of cookie cutter actors i think i think the drama program was the first time i saw that they weren't doing that at the at from my experience in high school so i i would say it was encouraging Uh, at the time the teacher her name was miss kozad she was definitely encouraging all the students in her class to embrace themselves as who they you know truly were or whatever and that is kind of the first time I had heard that in academic setting now beyond that just talking about like being an actor were they encouraging different ways of embracing the craft or was there kind of a model both in your high school and college programs that they wanted you to fit into yeah uh I don't honestly I don't remember um high school I don't remember if there was, you know, if there was talk of like, you know, Stanislavski or the Meisner method, or I don't, I don't remember any of that. And my college program, we kind of covered all the techniques in terms of like, we'd read a book on Stanislavski and then Meisner and then uh, Chekhov. And we kind of then do scenes approaching that method. But the program really encouraged us to find our own method through that, which I thought was great because I like to think out of the box. And I think at the end of the day, most actors form their own method anyways. You kind of have to, because you have to understand how your mind works, how your body works in order to tell a story. And if you're just like, oh, well, I can't do it that way because a acting coach 50 years ago wrote a book and, you know, like, yeah. How would you it's, describe your method that you came up with through the program? Uh, yeah, I think I definitely embrace sort of a hybrid Stanislavski slash kind of method acting method. Like I love to live in a character. So if like I'm playing a character or have a scene study, I will try and go a whole 24 hours in that character. And that sounds so actory quote unquote, it really helps me kind of kind of connect what does this person have that I also have and I can use for my own life. So it's not necessarily like becoming like, oh, I'm method and I'm going to become this person and I have to identify as this person the whole time I'm playing it. It's more of really living in that person, finding the connections we both have, even however small, that way I can build on that and and really add to, you know, make this character come to life, make this find my person, you know? Well, it's kind of like, I, so when I first started dating my now wife, um, I was living with this person who had a very distinct laugh Mm -hmm. and just being in the same house, like I kind of acquired this, like kind of an echo of the laugh. And then as we moved away from Pasadena where we were living and we moved in with each other and this person kind of went out of my life that my laugh kind of resumed its original kind mm. of tone and sound. Yeah. And I think method acting is just a way of saying you need to practice doing this thing, you know, until it becomes kind of like a muscle reflex in some ways. And so, cause I, I do feel like I hear lots of people 
I think when they talk about Heath Ledger and talk about Daniel Day-Lewis, like how method acting can kind of get out of control. But I think in a certain sure. respect, like everyone needs to do it to a certain degree. It's just the degree, right? I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. so the question is, is like what for you, like is, is 24 hours really method acting or is that just prepping for what you're about to do? I would say that's prepping. I would say that's my prepping process. Um, and I, you know, I would, I'll do that off and on throughout the process. And honestly, it also really depends on the character. Uh, I approach comedy very differently than I approach uh, a more serious piece or a more grounded character. That, that's all very variable, variable to me. I think that, you know, if, if, if I'm prepping and I'm doing that, once I get into a role, then there is sort of a, a mindset that I drop into that I guess I would consider method in terms of kind of always having that that person in the back of my head of like, you know, well, I'm picking up this cup, but would they pick it up differently? And they're just those small little things make such a huge difference when you're finding a character and then actually performing, um, whether it's on stage or in front of the camera. So yeah, I, I would say a lot of my method is the prep and then trusting myself once I'm in it and just kind of letting go and letting this character live through me. Do you have a favorite actor that you feel like can really embody? I mean, we talked about Jim Carrey, but beyond mm. him, because he kind of has like a, <laughs> there's kind of a consistency to him. Um, yeah. Is there is there a certain actors that you look at that just go, he can be this person and then he can be fully this other person or she can be this person, fully this other person. Yeah, yeah. I I have a lot of favorites and they're not all necessarily like that. But someone who I think when you say that, the first person I think of is like Gary Oldman. Mm. I think he's he's someone who I mean, he plays roles where he's, sometimes he's unrecognizable. You don't realize it's him. And, you know, he really embraces every aspect of changing who he is, whether it's physically yeah, so like I just watched, uh, I think it was on Apple TV. It was Crazy Horses or Wild Horses. Did you see that? I haven't watched it yet, but it's on the list. Yeah, he play. He just plays someone so unique in turn. I haven't seen him play someone necessarily like that. And it was, it reminded me of like, yeah, this guy. So Gary Oldman for one. I think Christian Bale, he's kind of like at the top of everyone's list for that, I feel like, because he drastically changes his body so much. So he, I, yeah, I mean, his work is pretty incredible. Yeah, but Gary Oldman, I think, is my answer for that, for sure. So let's jump into Wild Boys. So sure. I have a lot of questions, but what, why don't we start by you just kind of giving, you know, a little bit more than a log line, but not a full summary, you know, just the basic teaser for the movie, and then your character, and then we'll get into some specifics. Okay. So Wild Boys is about Kate. She is a girl living in a home with her father. And at the beginning of the movie, her father tragically passes away. And he sends her on a treasure hunt to help kind of find herself and help discover some things that she needs to discover in her inner self. And while she's on this treasure hunt out in the wilderness, she comes across two wild boys. And they are very heightened reality strange goofball guys who are in loincloths running around the forest and you're not too sure where they come from how they got there but they befriend kate and they help her help her along this adventure uh, i play one of the wild boys his name is red and red is a child he he sees the world as his and also this just beautiful unique thing every single thing he comes across is amazing is awesome is unique he's extremely loyal he's extremely scatterbrained and also very foolish in like the most immature fun way possible yeah and i had a blast playing him and creating him and making the movie so and so it it was shot locally Yes. Yeah. So yes. Where, where were the different places where it was shot? Yeah. So I grew up in Springville, California, which is above Porterville. And we shot the entire movie in 10 days in Springville and above 
like in the mountains of Ponderosa, Camp Nelson. Um, we shot in Springville at the Springville Park, at Giffords, and at the Hamburger Stand, uh, which were all staples in my childhood. Um, and then we also, like I said, shot up like in Ponderosa at a couple properties up there, a couple cabins up there. And that's where we shot the rest of the movie. Are the milkshakes actually that good or was that just a, a device for the film? You know, maybe I'm biased because I grew up on them. But yes, they're actually that good. And you walk in and they have a list of like 30 milkshakes. There's just such a variety. But my whole life I've gotten peanut butter fudge. And so that's why that made it into the movie, because in my opinion, that is the best one. So this is it's a comedy and it's an adventure story, but there's like a you know, there's a there's a deep emotional core to it. So how would you describe how would you pitch the film if you were presenting it to a studio and, you know, why people would want to come and watch? Yeah, I'd say it's a heartfelt adventure comedy that deals with real life things, but in a fun 80s comedy comedy vibe way um i'd say that we have something that can speak to a lot of people and hit a lot of things without being too in your face or serious about it honestly at the end of the day we just it's a fun movie and i think a lot of the times lately the movie experience might not be fun because there's so much being said um, and a lot of people have said that to us and said it was nice just to watch a fun movie. And we set out to do that. So I'm pretty happy about that. What are the challenges and also the upsides of shooting kind of a smaller budget uh, film on a short time window? How, how, how do you what are cause there's probably some nimbleness you could be with certain things, but then there's maybe some challenges, too. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, the challenge was finding just the smallest budget right I mean that was very difficult so when I first met with the director Morton Forland who directed it and helped me co-write it he uh it was kind of like a toss-up we were like well well first he was like yes I want to make this with you it sounds like an incredible idea let's do this and we kind of worked three days straight to get a pitch packet together for a grant that he uh, knew about and we won and that kind of then snowballed. Okay, so we got this little bit, little bit of money. How do we, you know, capitalize on it? And so that was a very difficult, just like hurdle of like, well, you know, asking a lot of favors, reaching out, um, and then things happen. You know, people say yes, people say, well, no. You know, maybe we're not going to get involved, but hey, talk to this person. And it's amazing how if you just keep the momentum going, things keep happening. And then in terms of like actually shooting. It was incredible because we shot in Springville, the community I grew up in. So all of our locations, a lot of our meals, everything was just given to us, um, which I'm just so incredibly grateful for because the movie wouldn't have happened without the cooperation of the community. Even though that was a challenge, that was also like when you're when you go in with a big budget and, you know, huge equipment and all these things, it's a lot harder to get favors because there's a lot more at stake, a lot more at risk. But this was like, hey, you know, can we shoot in your business? Good to see you. You know, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, yeah, of course you can shoot here. When is it? Oh, you know, and yeah, sign this paperwork. Sure, no problem. We just can't close. So a lot of, the, you know, people coming in and out of Giffords while we're shooting, looking in the camera. Okay, when we have to stop and kind of say, okay, we're going to wait until someone walks out and try it again. And it was very run and gun, which I think is good is challenging but also what made it work and it kind of it gave a lot of the tone of our film is that vibe of the the run and gun get the shot you know let's get this done type thing yeah and i i i mean when you see a movie in its completion i just read the uh, or kind of the big biography of george lucas and mm. it described him making american graffiti which was his first kind of like big right. movie and just how much of a mess it was all the time and the city fighting with him where he was filming it and resisting like you need to shoot it during these hours and they're up in the middle of the night and so it, it doesn't seem like it's like I think people have in this mind that you know director just calls a city and says well we're just going to shut down main street and then I'll just start filming and maybe if right. you're Christopher Nolan or something you can do that but for most most directors, they probably it's it's probably just a maze of hurdles, right? Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. And 
yeah and figure and you know this was all of our pretty much everyone who worked on the film it was our first feature film and so tackling all that and figuring it out as we went uh was so stressful but also i learned so much so i would you know i appreciate so much what we went through i mean for example one of the days we were shooting it was the scene when the wild boys and kate go into the cave and that cave was just off the highway 190 going up the mountains and so we assumed that it was county property because there was no signs no fences so we had the county permits to shoot in tulare county which all of springville that whole area is in tulare county and then as we're shooting, a truck drives up and the guy's like, hey, so you guys know whose property you're on? And I, my heart I just was like, oh, no. Oh, you know, oh, no. And so I ran up to him. And I was like, hey, sorry, I'm in a loincloth, but my name is Vincent. You know, I, I grew up here. Uh, I had no idea this. I grew up. I've never heard whose property this was. And he was like, yeah. And he started laughing. He's like, no worries. No worries. I, he's like, I don't you know, I've never met you, but. Uh, can I get a picture? And he was super nice and super sweet. And like, no, the, the owner won't have a problem at all. I just wanted to make sure you guys knew. And I was like, I am so sorry. We did not, you know. So thankfully that turned out really well. But it's just an example of like, we just didn't know. And like, we didn't even think to like figure that out, which I'm not sure how we would have. But um, yeah, so. Hmm. Let's talk about the writing phase a little bit. So writing a script is different than writing a story. Um, yeah. How would you contrast those two different mediums? Yeah. So, you know, I came up with like a very loose, I would say treatment of this story and it pretty much consisted of a girl going out in the forest, coming across two men who are living wild and in a, in a very funny, unique childlike way. And so because of this process, how fast it all happened, we kind of had to have like a very thorough treatment outline. And I think we even had to have like 30 or 40 pages of a script for the grant. So there was a lot of like, well, we're going to change this, but we just need to put this all together. We just need to get this all together. And so throughout the story creating process, there was a lot of going back and being like, wait, we said this, but we have to go, okay, now, because there was a lot of overlay because we had to have so much up front without really having something clear, um, which pushed us to get the movie done. But as like, you know, now it's been five, six years since we've made this, the what I've learned now is like, and what we're doing now with a new feature that we're writing is like really taking our time with like a very strong foundation in terms of character story and like not even starting on a script yet so i think you know to answer your question it, it's the story you know you think of it okay a b c this is what happens this is what makes sense with the character yes all this all this tracks but then when you get to the script writing process you're all of a sudden kind of in that world that you've built and there's things that come up that you're not expecting or you did you actually didn't think of even after all your work and all your talking um and then you have to reconsider well you know we're writing a script to make a movie can we make this you know so do we have to adjust this does this make sense and is this clear for like a director standpoint or a cinematography standpoint um so i think i think storytelling is a bit more almost instinctual natural there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of humanity in it. Whereas I think script writing, you get a bit more technical because there's a lot more eyes on it and a lot more like at the end of the day, your shooting script, you know, it's for the cinematographer, it's for the, you know, director, the actors, uh, the props master, you know, set designs. So there's a lot that you have to have for those people. And it's not just about the story, even though at the end of the day, it is just about the story. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Let's um, before we close up this section, let's talk about cinematography. There's some really beautiful. I'm not sure if they're drone shots or how you shot them. There's some really yeah. amazing shots of just the Sierra Nevadas. Uh, who who yeah. was the cinematographer and how did this person approach the uh, shooting the film? Yeah, uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, I so happy with how all that looks. Um, so the director Morton has worked with this uh, our DP before. His name is Vincent Valentine. And they had, like I said, they'd worked together before and Morton knew he wanted him to do this. 
And uh, he just has an incredible eye, a lot of experience. So he did all the primary photography, those 10 days, we did all the pretty much all the non drone footage. And then um, he kind of mapped out what we would need for drone footage. And then once we were able to get the drone shots, we and that was two years later, we got the drone shots. So that's pretty separated. Um, we got uh, Nate, his name is Nate Limlin. He is actually John Deere's brother. Oh. And uh, the actor, the actor Jordan, who plays John Deere in the movie, his brother, Nate, flew our drone for us. And he he has a lot of, he's a great cinematographer. He has a lot of experience. Um, and he's actually from the Central Valley. And I knew he had experience. I knew he was here. So that was a big part of me reaching out to him and saying, hey, can you fly our drone for us? And, uh, and you know, Morton was there, Vincent, Valentin. Uh, he wasn't there on site, but he would kind of, what him and Morton were talking back and forth. So there was a lot of like um, thought into, okay, we're in a beautiful area. So we have to do that justice. Mm. Okay. We're going to transition to my favorite category, which is called overrated versus underrated. I'm going to throw a bunch of movies, people, things that you would tell me whether you think they're over or underrated. Uh, the first one is uh, Nicolas Cage, over or underrated? Uh, underrated. Underrated. Why? I think his passion and just everything he is, like he's Nick Cage, is incredible. And not very many people can achieve that. So, yeah, I think I think it's an incredible. I mean, they made a movie with his name in the title like how many people have done that you know it's quite a quite an achievement next one me and ed's pizza under uh overrated overrated okay why i'm i love my pizza man and you know i watch dave portney all the time the pizza review i love all that stuff and i think uh me and ed's is pretty inconsistent for me i like a thin crust i like a good base um last time i ate there uh, it was not those things, even though that's what, you know, I thought it was going to be. But there have been times, to give them credit, there have been times when it has been my favorite pizza at times, but it, they're just not consistent. So I think it's, I think when I hear, I hear it a lot in the Valley that it's people's favorite. I think that is overrated. If you were Portnoy and you were giving it a decimal point rating, where where do you think, well, okay, where do you think he would rate it if he ate it? Uh, Portnoy? Yeah. Going on. Last time I ate there, I think he'd give it like a three, five. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's not his style, which is, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, me personally, I think I would have given it a six if yeah. that, if that makes it better, but he would have definitely, I think, kind of been upset. Okay. Next one. Uh, the show Stranger Things. Overrated. Okay. Why? Yeah. I think, I think. I don't, that's really hard for me to say I'm, I'm responding, but that's really hard for me because it's like as a creative and as someone who's trying to make movies, I know how like incredibly difficult it is. And like, so that's hard for me to say that, but I do think so because a lot of people say it's like the best show out there. And I don't think it, I mean, it, it's, it's fun. It's incredibly well done. It has such a cool vibe. I feel like I'm watching the Goonies a lot of the times when I'm watching it, which I love. But I don't think it's like it's not on my top 10 show list. So that's why I say overrated. And I argue a lot of people on that. So that's, again, why I overrated. Next one, mullets over underrated. Underrated, why? for sure. It seems to be a huge thing right now. And I'm starting to see them on everybody. And people are rocking it. And they look really good. And I think older generations really judge it including a lot of like, yeah, I mean, I used to too, but, but now I'm like, you know, what? go for it. Let's, let's expand the mullet. Mm. And it's not, they're not Joe dirt mullets. They're, no. they're, they're more elegant. More yeah. They're like sophisticated. You'd, you'd go to the Met, you know, with this mullet. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one, the movie national treasure, another adventure story. Mm. I think underrated, honestly, the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is it is fun. It's engaging. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's Nick Cage doing his thing. Uh, Sean Bean. I mean, come on, like that's a that's an all star cast right there. And it's like I said, like I think adventure like films 
have kind of you don't see very many anymore and that's i think that's one of the greats that is in like the recent years last what 20 10 15 years yeah uh so what what would you say were some of your key influences in how you thought about an adventure story what movies come to oh de- definitely the goonies i mean that i yeah i mean we we watched the goonies when we were starting this process we talked about their poster we talked about their vibe so that's a big one stand by me and just in terms of like a very uh narrative like the cinematography in terms of like nature and stuff is very kind of like transitional and it shows like as the story goes it shows where they're going and so there was a lot of uh you know we we talked about that i'm not remembering this exactly but i heard someone recently say that there's like two kinds of movies and uh, one of the two kinds is called a zipline movie where you're just kind of being pulled along and then there's you know other movies where you're just kind of in a like in a in a glass observatory and you're just looking at everything and oh you know so like zipline like the the plot literally just pulls you and rips you right through the jungle, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so you're, you're just, you're, you're the momentum of the film. Like I think about like the movie, the departed, you know, just like mm. you, just, you just get ripped along the plot. Right. You have no idea where you're getting pulled towards. And so I, right. I think that that really captures what you guys did in a lot of ways where you're just getting. Mm. along. Yeah, that's good. I like Next that one. Eighties electronic music. Oh, hundred percent underrated. Okay. Sell me on it. I'm not the biggest fan. So here you go. You're you're like, okay, I got to get ready. I'm not a very this is me. I'm not ref, I'm not a uh, reflecting this on you, but this is how I think of it is like I got to get ready. I don't really like social life. I don't like people per se, but I got to get out there and I got to have a good time. So while I'm getting dressed, I'm going to turn on some 80s, you know, music and it it you kind of let loose. You start mm-hmm. you start you start dancing. And it's kind of like if you embrace the funness of it, all of a sudden a new you you gain a new perspective on life and what it is to be human, in my opinion. That's just my humble opinion. Well, that was a a, a very profound <laughs> recommendation for 80s music. I appreciate it. You said sell you on it, so okay, I'm I'm sold. I'm sold. All right. <laughs> uh next one. Uh, the jackass spinoff wild boys over underrated i think i think underrated because a lot of people don't know about it and also i think it made a lot of people uncomfortable but talk about like not caring and brave being brave now i haven't seen a lot of it so i i've seen obviously when i like when i was a kid i would watch jackass and i watched wild boys when i could i think now it's talked about like this kind of crazy weird thing but from what i remember i just remember being like wow those guys are super brave for like not caring what people think about them at all and Um, there's there was definitely loincloths involved in that show which leads to my next one which is our loincloths over underrated now that you've worn one underrated for sure super super like makes sense for everyday life uh, when you need to go, you can just go. There's no hassle at all with that. And then they're also very breathable. And there's also a lot more protection than you would think. Um, properly constructed loincloths. Mm. Okay. Which, uh, sorry, next one. Uh, which would you choose? Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or Last Crusade? Oh, my gosh. Raiders. Why? The Lost... I just like it more. I think it... I. I better or what is it? Uh, yeah, I think it moves better. I think I find better, like, like I, I think I'm on this edge of my seat in that one more. But it's like a new thing I'm what you know, it's like, oh, this is this is a new part of this adventure. Whereas the other one is like, I don't, I don't know that that one's hard for me. I need to now that you're saying this, I need to rewatch those. It's probably been like three or four years since I've seen them. But yeah, that's my answer. Do you skip Temple of Doom or would you re- add that to the list? I I would add it because I just I'm kind of a when I do a ser- when I do a movie marathon and I'm I have to got to watch them. 
yeah. like when me and so we're big fantasy me and my wife and you know once at least once a year we do all the lord of the rings and i always make make her and she's a huge lord of the rings fan but i always make her do the hobbit because i'm just like yeah it's Mm. it's part of the franchise i just i i agree with what you think about it but like i just we need to start the story and that like you know so yeah i agree with you um i will say in my because i'm also a raiders person that prefers it and i think what makes that movie so good is just it just feels like it's made without being aware of itself almost like Mm. that's a and the opening scene is just one of the greatest movie openings of all time. Just that o- opening sequence is just tremendous. So couldn't 100%. agree more. Next one. Uh, the Woods of the Sierra Nevadas. Over underrated. Underrated. Yeah. Underrated every level, I think. There, I mean, I, I grew up running around the woods of the Sierra Nevada. And there are some incredibly beautiful spots that people don't even know about which is kind of a nice thing. And then also our mountain range is some of the thickest, most dense forest in the United States because there's such thick chaparral, which, you know, a lot of low growing bushes and rocks, but then you also got huge trees and on just steep mountain slopes. And so whatever you do, if you're an avid hiker, camper, fisherman, bird watcher, whatever, hunter, you're going to find incredible gems in the in the sierra national forest okay last one this one's maybe a long shot but i was thinking about loincloths and the mm. movie that came to my mind was jungle to jungle oh wait it's uh i believe it's tim allen and he goes to the jungle to pick up his son he comes back yeah <laughs> a fly with a dart yes exactly yes all coming back to me that's probably been 20 years since i've seen that movie i'm gonna say underrated because i haven't seen it in a long time but now like you saying that is sparking a lot of childhood nostalgia so i'm guessing there's some good good bones to it yeah maybe i mean it's kind of hard sometimes when you go back and watch those films that were part of your childhood you can kind of cringe and be like oh man i remember this a lot differently yeah Uh, Maybe I'm completely wrong on that one, but well, who right- knows? I mean, it was it. You know, I mean, it had Tim Allen and Martin Short. You know, it's what what do you what are you going to do? So sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So our last section before we talk about books is just filmmaking outside of L.A. That's how I kind of captioned it. And I'm thinking about this in the context of I'm uh, my wife and I are currently watching this show called Shrinking. Uh, it's a new Apple uh, show. It was all filmed in Pasadena, where we lived probably like four or five years. And so we we recognize all the places where they shot and, you know, it's all very familiar, but you know, when you watch it, you're like, you know, this really could have been shot anywhere. You know, it's just a story about a therapist and, you know, it makes sense in LA, but could have been shot other places. And, yeah. you know, a lot of our movies <laughs> are shot, shot in, you know, just a handful of places it makes the world seem like one kind of place. What I love about your film is it's a setting that other than Westerns aren't typically shot in a place like that. Yeah. But there's reasons why things are shot in specific areas because the access to resources and talent and all these things. What do we need to do to make it easier for filmmakers to film in the Central Valley and the surrounding areas? And do you think... Uh, that's something that's viable in this area and what do we need to do to make it more viable wow that's a that's a really good question and something i've actually been thinking a lot about for a long time but it's been on my mind a lot in the last six months or so because of everything we're trying to roll out with this movie yeah i think i think there's definitely just a pre-scribed kind of mindset of like the film industry that you got to be in LA which I don't think people even realize they have I know I had it so I think that's part of it and then I think what's the beauty about the Central Valley is that it's not out of you're not traveling you're not having to fly people necessarily you're not having to call everyone cross country or you know it's a Canada or whatever 
So I don't think there's any way it could be cheaper to do that. Like, I think if, if more productions came to the central Valley, which I know they do, right? Like they're like, I know like uh, way back in the day, I forget which, which actor it was, but the very first Hulk was at 2000, 2001. That was shot in the Sequoia national forest above, above Springville. So I know, I know there's productions that do it. So I think the reason I, I, I don't know the reason we don't see it more, but for me personally, just as a filmmaker, I love it because I think there are just incredible, an incredible diversity of locations in terms of, I mean, every type of look or setting you would want for a very wide range of genres is in the Central Valley. There's places to stay. There's places to eat. There's wonderful catering companies. And I think, you know, speaking to Fresno specifically, if you're within an hour of Fresno, two hours of Fresno, you have a lot of resources at your disposable. Fresno is a huge city. And I'm now just coming to find has a pretty big filming community and people who love cinema and, you know, people who are trying to make content and whatever. So I think there needs to be, I don't know, like, sorry, this is a hard question, I feel like, but I don't know what needs to change in Hollywood per se, in terms of like getting out into other spaces. But I also think, to add to like contradict that though i think storytelling right is a big part of it what stories are we going to tell what perspectives are we going to tell and i think when you automatically say like oh i'm gonna film here we're gonna you know this production company they only work here that you know this is where their studios are you automatically put kind of a a cap or lens over the 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 storytelling process and if you can say like, well, look at this, you have all of this available to you. What, what, what stories can you tell that opens up so much more? And that was a big part of our movie was like, I, I knew like, okay, I want to make my own movie. How the, like, how in the world can I achieve that? And then I kind of, well, well I know I can film a movie where I grew up because of all the connections I have. And so that's made me like want to keep coming back to the central valley to keep making films but it is hard because it's like it seems a bit more difficult for people to take you seriously in in la and in hollywood when you say you want to do that or that's where for some reason and i don't know why sorry this is i feel like a a very long-winded unanswer to your question no i um, think i think you're i think you're tapping into things i think there's push and pull factors you know i think the push factors are outside of our control, right? You know, right. what would push more filmmakers to come here would be whatever's happening there. Uh, but right. pull factors, you know, that's in our control. Like, yeah. like you said, like the access of catering companies or like people describing their filmmaking experiences in the Valley and saying, you know, these people are so hospitable. So there, I think there is a way to market ourselves, but I think, yeah, it's always going to be a little bit of both, right? Push and pull. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it's cool too. Cause like, you know, as I'm, like I said, there's a, there's a few projects right now that I'm working on and two of them, we, we want to make one back up in Springville. It's a short Western. And then another one, me and Morton are working on as a feature and, you know, we want to shoot it in a, in a fire watchtower, you know, like those glass little huts on the top of mountains and i would love to shoot it in the valley for this exact reason because i want to bring that world into the world where i grew up and i think i think the valley has things to offer that a lot of places don't so yeah and i i think right now a big thing is like well the industry let's say if there's a film industry in the valley like where are they at like you know they could be if people want this, you know, I think they they could be louder. There could be more of a like an orchestrated community because like I, I, you know, I spent my life growing up here and then I was down south for 10 years and I had no idea there was like a film community in Fresno until the last, like I said, six months as I've been trying to build a following for our movie. 
and I've just been blown away at the amount of people I've met and like, oh yeah, so there's this film club or there's this nonprofit that like shows indie films and supports indie filmmakers in the valley. And I'm like, well, what indie filmmakers? Where are they? I haven't I haven't heard them. Like so I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if it's that my own ignorance, if that's part of it, right? Of just like gaining the knowledge to like be a part of these communities and find these people. But I do think another part of it is like they need to be more accessible. There needs to be more of a like make let's make stuff. Yeah. Well, it you sounds know, like people need to talk to each other and connect. And you know, that's part of the part of the thing. Um hard question and something I'd love I could talk about probably for hours because it's yeah, and it's one of those it's one of those macro issues that has a lot of forces at work in it and a lot of cultural things and yeah. But I think you're at the core of what you're saying is if we shoot everything in LA, we're telling a bunch of LA stories, you know, and yeah, we need to tell more stories because the world is not LA and um, LA is a part of it, but it doesn't need to be, you know, I think that's the, the thing too, with technology being more accessible and you can film stuff on your phone, you know, yeah. like, like, yeah, you know, that, that flattens the world a little bit in terms of filmmaking. So I think wow. that's, I think that's the reality too. But yeah, we could talk about this forever. Let's let's transition to talking about books. Uh, okay. We're also going to talk about movie recommendations because I want to get one or two uh, maybe that we haven't seen. So let's start with books, though. What are two or three books you'd recommend to listeners? Okay, so I thought of three that are kind of like on my my list right now. The first one is one of my all time favorite fantasy books, but it's a it's a hot it's a hot topic. Is the Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss? Okay. Um, it's a it's supposed to be a trilogy and the name of the wind is the first one incredible like i love it um nick podell i think it's nick podell narrates it on audible and he does an incredible job thing is it's been 10 years since the second book <laughs> and the, right, right. that the community around that book around that series is very uh anxious for the third book and there's talk that it might never happen so there's a lot of uh, drama behind that one okay. uh, but i i reread that one at least once a year then a series i just started and then finished the second book waiting for the third is the Bloodsworn trilogy by john gwynn um it's the first one is the shadow of the gods it's a very norse mythology viking inspired fantasy epic I just read it, so that's why it's on my like. I would recommend it to anyone. It was very good, very well written. Some of the best like action that I've read in a while. And then my third one is an indie writer. He his name is Alaron Kong, and the book is called The Land, and it's a a lit RPG series. Mm. So it's based off of like a video game, and it's like it's like this characters in the game and you like level up and like in the audible book, you hear like noises and like you have gained all these new attributes. And so it's very much for the gaming kind of, and I'm not a big gamer, but it's just, they're like really funny. And like this kind of played at all like nerd fantasy people because there's so many Easter eggs and jokes and, uh, and it's like they're quick reads. There's like nine books already. And it's called the land series. Yeah. And that's about a guy who pretty much gets stuck in a video game. So those are my three. So you can pick from any of those, but. Okay. And then who are maybe one or two filmmakers whose movies you really like that are working right now? Um, who, which, which, when you see a movie coming out by a particular filmmaker or a particular, who are you excited to watch these days? I think it's not necessarily a filmmaker, but when I see something that's coming out by a 24, I am I am almost know that I'm going to like it. So I keep an eye out for pretty much anything that they bring into house and are gonna make. I'm I'm a big fan of almost all their movies. like I've seen almost all their movies and love all of them. Um I'm also a huge Wes Anderson fan. Fantastic Mr. Fox was like one of my favorites. Grand Budapest Hotel is now one of my favorites. It's on my list of like probably top ten, maybe even top five movies. Which and is that, his best film? His best film? Yeah. I think I think uh Grand Budapest Hotel. 
better than Tenenbaums, better than uh, what? What's the one I'm thinking of? Life Aquatic, better than all but, those. Yeah, I would say I. Yeah, in my opinion, yes. Moonrise Kingdom is a close second. Tenenbaums is close. I really like the Isle of Dogs too. I thought that one was a. I really loved the storytelling in that one. But just for something about Grand Budapest, the cinematography, the the love story in it, the the kind of like unbearable sadness that is around the whole movie, but yet you're smiling, laughing the whole time, really hit with me, and that's like stuck with me from from since I've seen it. Of like, how do you tell how do you tell sad stories, but like in like light, a funny way, and like Jojo Rabbit, you know, did something incredible like that and like but grand budapest hotel was like really hit that for me big time okay so to close um can you so where 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 can people go watch wild boys if they want to and then secondarily can you give us a little just uh maybe a little more details on where you're at with the other projects you're working on yeah yeah of course so wild boys is going to start streaming this year We are going to be on Amazon Prime in the next probably month or so. We will announce it on our socials. We don't, we haven't been given an exact date. We've just been given a timeline and it should be within a month. So it'll be rentable on Amazon Prime. Um, And then after that, it'll go to other rentable platforms like Tubi. I think YouTube has a rentable platform that it's going on. A um, couple other spots, and then uh, hopefully by the end of the year, it'll also start streaming. So the best way for people to keep track of that is we're marketing from the ground up, and I'm just running social media and trying to keep people informed. So just following us on Instagram or Facebook or whatever is the best way. Um, but keep an eye out for Amazon Prime in the near future. That's going to be next. And also, we will be having screenings um, all over the Valley this year. I'm working on getting as many as I can. It looks like Merced's going to be next, but I want to do them in Fresno, Bakersfield. I've talked to people in Lindsay. Um, we're going to do another one in Porterville, Visalia. Just keep an eye out um, on our socials, and hopefully you can come see it in a theater or at a cool event space in the Valley. Will you be in a loincloth at these screenings, yes or no? haven't yet, but you know people keep asking this question, so there might be an appearance. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> And then uh, where are you at with your other projects that you're working on? Right now, I'm on three, like, pre-production on three projects. One of them is a short film. It is a very fun, bloody Western um, that we would love to turn into a feature concept. And so we have a script. We have our actors and our director, our cinematographer. And right now, we're just working on hammering down dates, working around everyone's schedule, but we're wanting that to happen this year. We're going to shoot it up in Springville and I'm attempting to make it a, a Central Valley project. So everyone involved as of right now is from the Central Valley and I want to try and do that this way. Um, I think that would be a really cool accomplishment to put out something good that is shot, filmed, produced all in-house in the Central Valley per se. So that's a Western. And then the next feature film that me and Morton, who directed Wild Boys, are working on, um, I don't want to give too much away, but it is about, it deals with, it is attempting to deal with very serious subject matter in a interesting, comedic, dark way. Um, but uh, all I'll say is it is about a man who befriends a raven, and the man lives alone in a watchtower in the middle of the forest. And so we are develop we are still in script development for that and also trying to get funding for that. Wonderful. And, then, and the third project is a feature film that I co-wrote. Well, I it would be story by me and then the writer, she uh, her name is Winter Bassett. She wrote the film. Um, and we are in talks to of getting funding for that. And we are actually gonna the film takes place in Oregon, so it looks like we're going to try to shoot up in Oregon. And yeah, so a lot of it has to do with finding funding. But, you know, we I surround my pe- myself with people who have the same mentality of don't stop, just keep keep going and you'll find a way. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with all those. Awesome. Well, this has been great talking with you, Vincent. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate the chance to 
talk about this stuff. It means a lot, and I'm very excited. Fresno's best. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, you can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.